0: so much everybody for joining us for another episode of everyday strong with dr michael g daniels this is your host cb baker Um, today's topic is staying positive during a negative situation and i would like to welcome to the show dr daniels Uh,
1: Good uh, day to everyone and good day to you, um, Brother CB. Uh, I think that's a a very uh, good topic for us to discuss, especially in times like these when people find themselves surrounded by negative situations and also negative people in their lives. And uh, it's easy to get trapped uh, with another person's negativity, which causes your day to go bad as well. (laughs) So I, I, I think it's good for people to understand how to stay positive when the people around them are negative, or when the situation around them is negative.
0: Yeah, I've, I've found that, Pastor, that a lot of things, even in life when you go through, it seems like you, even if you put a group of five people together, it seems like there's always two to three people in the group of five that's just negative nannies. Oh, we can't do this. We can't do that. Always can't, 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 can't. Or, oh woe is me. how do we get past that?
1: Well, and absolutely and, and it kind of becomes contagious after a while if you think about it. you know there's there's a, a, a saying that you are what you eat you know and, and that's truism. you are what you eat because what you eat is ingested. it, it goes through your um, your system. And, uh, and it becomes a part of you, you know, th- now, um, th- so when, when I'm surrounded by negative people, um, the issue is, do I ingest what they put out for, you know, for example, uh, I have an, a shellfish allergy. All right. So even though I go into a, uh, a seafood restaurant, I never eat the shellfish, even though I'm surrounded by the shellfish. Because I know I am what I eat. And the same logic applies. If I'm around negative people, uh, just because I'm around them doesn't mean I have to ingest them. I think that's one of the big problems that we, we have is that we tend to ingest what people are putting out. You know, we take what they say, we take how they feel, and we allow those feelings or what they say to become a part of us. And the more you ingest what they are doing and the more you ingest what they're saying, it it, it has an impact on you. And so we become negative as well.
0: right. So what are some of the tools you use to when you're in a situation or or to stop the ingesting of the negativity into your body?
1: I think that one of the key things is is to always remember what your goals are for that day, and I think that that's that's the way you should start every day. You know, for me, I start every day first of all by seeking guidance. So that's that's the thing I do straight up. You know, in my prayer life, is Lord, I want guidance for today. I I want Your will to be done in my life. And so when I wake up in the morning, I have goals of what I'm going to do that day. Now, so when I'm confronted with any any you know a body, anybody, or any situation, uh, rather than Let them dictate where I'm going. I dictate where I'm going based on the goals I have set. Because if you listen to people every day, you you find yourself on a emotional roller coaster uh, because you're following how they are gearing, how they are turning your life. So I, I stay focused on the goals that I have set, the things that I have planned for me to do. And also I'm looking at what the results are going to be. Uh, and, and I'm looking at my own progress. So that helps me to stay focused, helps me to stay positive because I'm looking at people thinking, hey, your day may be bad because you don't know what you're your goals are, or you're not accomplishing your goals, but I know what my goals are and I'm moving toward my goal. So I'm not going to let you, um, cause me to sway from that. So I'm staying focused all the time. And the more I stay focused, the more what they're doing becomes humorous to me because after a while, you know, you kind of realize that, Hey, you know what, Uh, they are in a bad place and so they just want you to be in a bad place, too. Right.
0: And what, so what is the technique you use to get the keep from people dragging you down with them? Like some people just they get the dumping on you so much mm-hmm. to the point that they're just, like they're just grabbing on to you to, put, to come down here with me. I don't want you to be so happy or so productive.
1: Well, you know, it's really all about how you view you and how you view them. Okay, so let's say, for example, uh, that um, I have uh, someone that comes to me and they're thinking that the situation that, you know, you know, that we're facing is just horrendous and there's no way out and it's just going to be a bad day altogether. Then one of the things I always look at is what my yesterday was like as well and the day before that. Mm -hmm. And I have to always remind myself that, you know what, um, the day Today's day's problems are no greater than yesterday's problems. And the people I have in my life today are rarely any different than the people I had in my life yesterday. Uh, and I got through it yesterday. And so if I got through it yesterday, I can get through it today. And if you was in my life yesterday and I still got through it, that means I can still get through it today. So when you look at it that way, what you come to the realization of it is that my you, you know the things that you're trying to accomplish the day that you're going through pretty much uh, is not based on the people around you or how they feel it's based on how you feel about what you're doing not how they feel about what you're doing but how you feel about it and that's why I say you know I just you just got to stay focused right because when I wake up every morning I know what I'm going to do irrespective of what anybody else is going to do, I know what I'm going to do. And so as long as I stay focused on what I'm going to do, then their negativity, as I said, really becomes kind of humorous to me. And I guess it's because also I kind of look at people differently than the way many people do. See, I, I don't expect people to be a motivator for me. And that, that's what some people do. They want the world to motivate them. I don't expect that. I actually expect it to be the opposite I don't expect anybody to motivate me. I expect people to tell me why I can't do something. <laughs> and and that's how I look at life. Right. Because you're going to always tell me why I can't do it. Because what I realize is you don't gauge me by me. You gauge me by you. And that's what most people do. If they can't do it, they assume you can't do it. right? And, and that's the way people work. Well, my thing is I believe they can't do it. <laughs> you know, right. so, so if someone tells me, you can't climb Mount Everest, I, my thinking is, I believe you can't climb Mount Everest. I know you can't, right? but that doesn't mean I can't because I can do anything that I want to do. right? And so it, it, it becomes a humorous play for me. It also becomes a situation where, uh, especially when I was younger, it's when I, you know, I made a, my, a commitment that, you know what, now it's up to me just to show you that, you know, I can do all the things you told me. I I could not do right, and and so, you know, n- people will always bring drama into our lives. But that's what they are—people—and they're and 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 people are people, right? And, and just because they're bringing the drama, don't mean the drama has to affect my mental state. Uh, because I'm gonna, it's, it's the same thing's going to happen. I don't care what information you give me. Here's the deal: I don't care what you tell me. The deal is the sun is going to still shine. You know, the earth is going to still rotate. Right. And either one or two things going to happen. I'm going to wake up or I'm going to die.
0: Right.
1: And if I die, it won't matter anyway. Right. And if I wake up, that means the doom that you forecast didn't happen.
0: Yeah. Now, let's um, switch gears as a a tweak in a little bit. Mm -hmm. How does a person that is suffering from uh, depression, Mm -hmm. or they just found out that they are, you know, they feeling depressed, Mm -hmm. you know, so now they got this dark cloud over top of them. How do we get ourselves out of that situation once we recognize it?
1: Well, that's a horse of a different color. Uh, Now, there's one thing to be in a position where I'm I'm sad. There's another thing to be clinically depressed. Now, for people who are clinically depressed. What we have to understand is clinical depression is a medical condition. It is not an emotional state. And, and we confuse that sometimes, thinking that it's an emotional state and that you can just snap out of it. And, and that's not quite the case. Uh, we know that depression is a chemical imbalance in the brain. And so it's just like if you have a uh, coronary, pro- coronary problem, uh, you don't think to yourself, I can just snap out of it. You know, I, I need to go and get, get checked up. I need to get those arteries unclogged, those kind of things. So if it is clinical depression, then we have to, you know, seek medical advice to, to get that taken care of get the proper medication. Now, however, our body does produce what we call endorphins. And and that's a scientific reality. And most of those endorphins the, to to uh, um to cause in order for us to to get the best from them or get get our body to produce the most produce more of them, I should say, um, uh, physicians will tell you that exercise is the key. right? A- and so for those uh, individuals that may not be to that point where they feel like, well, I really need to take some kind of medication. Or if your doctor said to you, I don't think you really are at that point where, you, you know, you need um, chemicals, or medication to switch out, then that means they should start their day off with, with, with exercise. So you can't increase the endorphins in your body. So you can feel good. Your, your body is geared to help you feel good about yourself.
0: Right. So, um, so you, you're a proponent on health. I know you run a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk off air a lot about exercise and mm-hmm. you know eating right and, and things like that. So, is, is, do you use exercise as a way to also counteract the negativity that's in, in, in your environment every day that you be walking through?
1: I do, because here's what you can take to the bank. If you feel good about yourself, what other people say will have less of an impact on you. But if you don't feel good about yourself, then what they say will impact you. So uh, all of us have a self-image, you know, you know that something in our mind that we perceive to be the best, you know, that we can be. And, and if you don't meet that self-image, when you get up in the morning and put your clothes on, you depressed right then and there, you know? Right, right. And so it's, it's, it's important to always try to meet that self-image. And so for me, a part of that is through exercise. And exercise for more than just self-image. I also exercise to keep my blood pressure down and, right. you know, cholesterol down, those kind of things. But I can tell you that if I get up and, and I, you know, put three miles in, then uh, I feel great, you know. I mean, the first mile, I might be like, oh, man, you know, I'm a little tired right now. But by the time I get to mile two, I'm feeling much better. When I get to mile three, I'm feeling great. And some people may say, well, aren't you tired? Of course, you know, I I may be, well, I may not be, I'm not exhausted, but, you know, I'm bored mainly. I I start running because I'm bored, most of because I'm tired. But... I feel good that I got it done. And that's the right, other thing, right, you know, just right. to know that, Hey, you know, you did it. Now I feel good that it's done. So now that it's done, I feel better. If I don't run, I'm constantly thinking I should have ran. Right. <laughs> and, and so now I'm not, I'm feeling bad about not having done it. Once it's over with, I feel great. So I'm, I'm starting my day feeling better because I have accomplished the thing that I set out to do. And see, oftentimes, especially when you think about exercise, People have in their mind they're going to be at the night before thinking you know the next day I'm going to start my program then right. you don't start it then you eat something then you depressed because that's what you you know you <laughs> right. ate it and you didn't right. an exercise and so because that's a self image thing so that's why for me it's you know you get up in the morning you do it and you feel good because you you did it and then as you start seeing results you can feel even better about your own self image plus you get that release of endorphins. That counteracts depression, yeah,
0: you know every, you know every morning I wake up it ain't on, I'm not on, you mm-hmm. know it's like 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 even this morning, I wasn't feeling it this morning when mm-hmm. I worked out, but just like you said, I went ahead, I worked out, and halfway through it, I still didn't feel like working out. Mm-hmm. but I was like, I got to get it done now, granted, in the last five minutes of the workout, I mm-hmm. finally snapped out of the move that right. I was in. And I said, well, I'm glad I went ahead and did it because if I wouldn't have, then the situation would have compounded itself. Right. Because I would have been like, oh, man, I should have worked out. Um, I wasn't feeling good, but mm-hmm. I didn't work out. Now I'm feeling worse because now I'm thinking about what I didn't do, what right. I said I didn't do. Mm-hmm. I said what I was going to do anyway. So... How much of a, in your opinion, Pastor, how much of an impact does that have on oneself when you're when you don't do something that you say you was going to do?
1: I think um, for many people, self um, that self-awareness and how they view themselves is probably 90 percent of the problems of, of being positive in a negative environment. Because what guides us is really how we feel about ourselves. Uh, you know, and I'll give you an example. Uh, if, if I am on a job and I feel like my self-worth is recognized, if I feel like I'm getting paid what I'm worth, the other people on the job can be complaining about the employer. I'll still feel good. <laughs> Because right. my self-worth is being recognized. And so I really will be thinking, mm, you guys can keep on complaining. They're paying me pretty good. Right. And so I'm, I'm happy, even though the environment is negative, the people around me are negative. In fact, I will become more positive because I'll compare what I'm getting to what they are not getting. And my thinking will be, wow, an employee must really like me. If I'm getting all these benefits and they're not getting them because I'm feeling that my self-worth is recognized. And so 90% of uh, being positive in a day is making sure that you realize your self-worth and feeling good about yourself. That's why I say self-image is so important that you don't let others define who you are, but you define who you are based on your own self-image. If you can do that, You're 90% there. And what people can say about you really won't have that great effect on you. I don't care how beautiful a person is. If they view themselves as not being beautiful, then they're going to feel bad about it. And I don't, you know, so, and that's the thing. So it it all is, most of it is about self-image, how you view yourself. And not just from the physical standpoint, but how you feel about yourself in the situations you're in. You know, I don't have to live in a 4,000 square foot house to feel good about myself. Right. I can live in a one bedroom, you know, 800 square foot apartment and feel good. It's all about my self-image and what I value.
0: Right. And then plus, if you was in New York City, it would probably cost you the same amount. (laughs) (laughs) If you was
1: in Manhattan, you know, so. Absolutely. You know, because it's about my self-image. See, here's the thing. Some people need things to make them feel good because they have poor self-image. Right. You know, and it, 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 I don't need a, an expensive car to make me feel good about who I am, because I recognize my self-worth. Right. But if you don't recognize your self-worth, you need an expensive car. You know, uh, that's why you'll find some people that have a, a car that's worth more than all the furniture in their home and even their home itself. You know, they'll be living in uh, an apartment you know paying uh you know six seven or eight hundred dollars a month for rent and mm-hmm. then you're buying a car it costs them seven hundred dollars a month for the car payment right you know which is you know kind of lopsided to say the least. Uh, but that's because of that self-image they're using the car to improve their self-image and, and if you already have a strong self-image you don't need the car
0: all right so mm-hmm. let's go back to the 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 work scenario I've, i I've found that people who are always negative. Oh, then it's funny because they always complain about the person who's getting the promotion, who's mm-hmm. getting the um, the raises and whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. But they're positive. They come to the boss or they come to me and they say, "Hey, CB, how about we do this type of way, X, Y, and Z?" They come to me with um, scenarios and solutions to potential problems. It's not mm-hmm. even a problem yet. Where another person, that's another employee that I may have or encounter, if you you know at your job, that say you know, I, I wish that this would happen so they could see how poorly things are run around here.
1: Right. Well, you know, that, so that's, there's two things you, we're dealing with. You have one person who is, 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 is positive, but has a lot of negative employees around them. So the question is, how do they stay positive? But you also have the negative employee and the question is, how do you get them to be, to, to become positive? Uh, and, and, and it, it, for me, I would say this, um, I don't worry about trying to get someone to become positive. That's not my job. Right. <laughs> if I focus on trying to get you to become positive, I end up becoming negative because I get frustrated if you don't get positive. Right. And now I become negative because those around me are negative And I'm saying, you know, matter what I do, they don't do this and they don't do that. And so now I feel bad about it. What I have to realize is that people are going to be people and that they're going to always be some negative folk you know, that I deal with. And so just because you're negative, my thing is you have a right to be negative. You have a right to have low self-esteem. You have a right to have low self-image. That's your right. right. And so I'm not going to try to fix that with you. Unless you ask me to fix it, I'm not going to try to fix that with you. That way, rather than me concentrating on your low self-esteem or your less low self-image or your negative attitude, I can concentrate on keeping myself positive. Because the more I focus on you, the more time I'm taking away from focusing on me.
0: So does does that go back to your uh, age, age old adage when they're grown? Leave alone. That's
1: right. Cause grown <laughs> folk gonna be grown, <laughs> and uh, and that's all you can do is let them, let them do it. You know, the only only the only car you can drive is yours. Right. You know, I can't I can't sit in my car and drive my car and sit and drive your car at the same time. Right. It, it just doesn't work. And when you focus that way, that's when you get frustrated because you're trying to make someone else be like you are. I can't make you put a smile on your face. I can't make you feel good about coming to work. And, and, and I don't want to even frustrate myself trying to do that because it has to be within you to feel good about where you are and not based on where I am. And that's the other thing people do sometimes is that they compare themselves to someone else and they are negative because they don't have the joy that someone else has. And that makes them feel bad. Well, I don't want to get caught up in that trap. So I don't compare myself to anybody. Right. And I'm not going to try to change anybody. Right. I'm just going to try to keep me where I am because I don't judge you on how you feel. I judge you on what you do. Right. And if you're doing things that don't negatively impact me, I don't care how nasty you are when you do them.
0: Yeah. So how do do you battle that in your position as a pastor where your know, main goal is to save souls, and, and you've got people, and you're trying to get them to come to Christ, mm-hmm. or the people that have come to Christ, now you got to get them to grow in their faith. And when they're more, and the people are resistant to to it, and to your um, what you're trying to get them to understand, how do you um, combat that inner feeling of holding down that frustration? Like you know, that's why a, not you're not just getting it
1: right? And that's the an easy answer. And I can tell you when I was Early on in my pastorate, I was extremely frustrated and I allowed the negativity of others to impact me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, I resigned as a pastorate um, not long after I became a pastor because I was so frustrated and it was getting to me. Uh, and, you know, I rescinded the resignation because they asked me to, but uh, I, just where things had gotten. So at any rate, I was talking to uh, Dr. Ernest Walton and he said to me that Jesus said to Peter, Feed my sheep. And he said, do you understand what that means? And I said, yes. And he said, I don't think so. He said, Jesus said to Peter, feed my sheep. He said, do you really understand what that means? And I said, yeah, that means preach the word. He said, you have about 40% of it right. Jesus said to Peter, feed my sheep. And he looked at me and said, do you understand what that means? And I said, well, I thought I told you. He said, do you understand the concept of personal pronouns and possessive pronouns? And I said, yes, I do. He said, well, if you understand that, then you will understand what that phrase means. And then a light bulb went off. See, Jesus didn't tell Peter to feed Peter's sheep. Right. He told Peter to feed his sheep. That was the only thing he told Peter to do. Right. He didn't tell Peter to change how the sheep felt. Right. He didn't tell Peter to do anything to change the um, the cognitive skills of the sheep. He didn't tell Peter to do any of that stuff. All he said was feed them. He didn't even tell Peter to make sure they ate. <laughs> right. He just said, put the food out there for them. Right. I get that now, that my job is not to change you. My job is not to do anything other than give you information. And that's what I do. I give you information. It's up to you to eat it. See, just because you go to the restaurant don't mean you have to order everything off the menu. Right. You know, it's just the way it is. And so that's not my, That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to put the information out there. It's up to you to eat it. Yeah. And, and see, when I look at it that way, then I'm not frustrated because you didn't eat it. So the only thing that I concentrate on is, did I prepare a good meal? Right. Did I prepare a good meal? Whether you ate it or not. Did I prepare a good meal? And if I really prepared a good meal, then I'm happy because I did what I'm supposed to do. Right
0: now, now how often do you get people come up to you um, afterwards, if like weeks or months afterwards, and say, "You know, you said something in church months
1: ago, and I finally get it now." Uh, it happens all the time. <laughs> Actually, it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's a it's a constant thing. Um, but here's the thing: I, you know that. Uh, but, I, but again, my what, what the way I'm focused is always on me being positive. Now, one of the things that changed me and how I deal with people also is uh, one Sunday, I preached a message. I don't recall what it was about. But a, a young lady came up to me and she said, now what do I do? Mm. It clicked on me. Right. I didn't feed the sheep. <laughs> right. You know, I, I didn't feed them. So now that's what I concentrate on. And so... If if I didn't feed you well, then I am, I, you know, it it causes me to get caught up in the negativity of what's going on around me. If I fed you well, then I'm not caught up in it because I know I've done the best that I can do and I'm feeling good about me. As long as I'm feeling good about me, then that's what's important. I think that's what everyone has to look at. You know, I tell people oftentimes that there's a difference between perfection and excellence because... Uh, People expect us to be perfect. I'm saying, no, you're not going to be perfect, but you can be excellent. Well, Pastor, what is excellent? Well, excellent is when you're the best that God made you to be. You know, he didn't make us to be perfect. That we know. And the Bible tells us he didn't make us to be perfect. But he didn't make us to be excellent. And So that's what we strive for. Now, if I'm striving for my excellence, I have to understand that my excellence has nothing to do with your excellence. So because you're not excellent, that means I don't have to, you know, I'm not. Let's take a marriage situation, for example. Oftentimes, we allow our spouses to dictate our moods. We allow our spouses to dictate how our day is going to go. You wake up in the morning and you and your spouse, you know, something goes on. It's not the best thing for you. And your whole day is negative until you all get this thing reconciled. Well, that's because we look at life based on how others respond to us. Mm-hmm. And my thing is, if my spouse is negative in the morning, okay, uh, the question is, is it my problem that she's negative? And can I do anything with it to make her positive? And even if I can or cannot, What's that gotta do with what I do when I get on my job? Right. What's that gotta do with what happened when I get to 7 Eleven by a Slurpee? Right. What's that gotta do with me driving (laughs) down the road? Not one thing. So I had to put it in perspective. And in perspective is simply this. Hey, her being, you know, upset with me for not taking out the trash and us going through whatever we went through has nothing to do with what's gonna happen on my job. And so similarly, if if I have a bad day at work, what's that gotta do with when I come home? Yeah. You know? Nothing. So I can't allow the bad day at work to affect my home. I can't allow my home to affect my work. I have to recognize that one has nothing to do with the other. And just because my wife is having a bad day, that don't mean I should have a bad day. I can still smile. Right. And I can still be happy because I'm having a good day. It's about my self-awareness. Here's what I know when I wake up every morning. And this is how I look at life in general. I woke up. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's a good day. It's a good day. (laughs) I woke up. Right. You know, I'm breathing. I'm living. I have opportunities. I am no broker today. I'm no more broke today than I was. I went to bed last night. Right. You know, I'm I'm still here. I'm still in the game. I'm still playing the game. And so every day I wake up, that's what I'm thinking, is that, hey, today is a good day. You know, um, Ice Cube, the rapper, wrote a song a while back, and he said, today was a good day. Because I didn't have to use my AK. Right. That, his point was I didn't kill anybody. Right. And nobody made me mad enough to want to kill them. So I had a good day. And, you know, my thing is simply this: if I woke up in the morning, I'm having a good day. That starts my day. I don't care what someone else says to me. Hey, I'm having a good day. Yeah. If I drive and get to get to the church safely. I had a good day. I mean, that's good. I don't care how bad the traffic was because here's what I appreciate, you know, when I'm driving. Let's say I'm driving and the traffic is just extremely heavy. My thinking is, well, perhaps there's a good reason why God Mm -hmm. is slowing me down. Right. And that's how I look at it. It's a good reason why he's slowing me down because if he wanted me to be there early, Mm -hmm. he would have made a way for the traffic to be light for me. Because when I prayed that morning, I'm saying, Lord, your will be done. Yeah. Now, when
0: when I get stuck in traffic, I just put on some uh, an album I haven't listened to in a while, usually Earth, Wind & Fire or something mm-hmm. like that, yeah. and just sit back and just relax because there ain't nothing else I can do about it. That's right. And yeah. if you can't change it, why worry about it? Right. Yeah, so and then that comes from the days of living in Houston with all that traffic and <laughs> down there. So... um I really like the fact of everything that you have said so far about being positive and and taking ownership and holding yourself accountable, yourself accountable for being um, positive during your day. Mm -hmm. And now we touched a little bit on depression and what you need to do if you're depressed. Now, let's talk about what's going on in the country with all the things going on in the country with um, our president and his actions. And then we have the flooding in Houston. Mm -hmm. So that might not make people um, depressed, but may wake up a little sad. You know, so how do we get how do we get out of that funk to be able to tackle our day?
1: And and I think it makes a lot of people sad. But here's what uh, a wise woman said to me, who's my mother. Uh, She said one time um, for poor people. I don't care who's president, you're still poor. For rich people, I don't care who's president, you're right. still rich. Right. I don't care who's president, my mortgage doesn't change. Just, I mean, it's really just that simple. Right. Now, I can get angry about who's president, but the question is, what really changed in my life? That's what we have to look at. What really changed in my life? Right. Not what changed in the world, not what changed in the city next, but what changed in my life? And did it change because I put myself there or did it change because it came to me? You know, for mm-hmm. example, in my opinion, our president is a divider. You know, he, he's he's not trying to unite in the country. In my opinion, our president is a racist. That's my opinion. Others may disagree, but that's my opinion about him because he does seem to uh, feel as if there is a group of people uh, that by virtue of their skin color uh, have certain rights. And and he seems to feel that way about himself as right. well. Now. But how does that change me? Uh, I don't make less money because he's a racist. I I, I don't pay any less or more for gas because he's a racist. So nothing he has done has really impacted me personally to that level that it doesn't have the same impact on everybody else. See, even the people that like him still face the same impact that I face. So let's say gas prices go up to $5 a gallon. Well, the Ku Klux Klan gonna pay five dollars a gallon too. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's, right. It's not like they're gonna pay less than I'm gonna pay. Right, right. In fact, his daughter's gonna pay five dollars a gallon. Now she may have enough money that she can afford it, but still she's gotta pay more for gas too. Not only that, he is a business owner. He has to pay more. Right. Because he has to, you know, pay, pay to heat the buildings that he owned and, you know, those mm-hmm. kind of things. Right. So what he does doesn't impact just me. It impacts him and all those kind of folks. So my point is I ask myself, how does it impact me? Because he's president, did I wake up this morning? I, mean, I still woke up. Right. My f- food was the same. All is the same. So the other thing I look at is this. The things that, that are happening in the world, I don't like them. I definitely don't like them, and I'm definitely trying to do things to make things better for people. But I look at it in a positive way because I say this is an opportunity. I think that people needed um, to see him for who he was. That's what I think. Right. I think people needed a wake-up call. I think the Democratic ticket needed a wake-up talk call. So as as the Scripture teaches us what um, the devil meant for bad, God will turn around and make it for our good. And that's how I look at it. Well, look what happened in Houston. And some people may say, well, I can't believe he says this on air, but I'm telling them this is just how it is. Here's what I say. How did it impact me? Now, I feel bad for them, but I can't feel bad for me. And if I'm not feeling bad for me, then why am I depressed? Right. As a pastor, I do funerals all the time. Sometimes I will do up to four funerals a month. It's certainly... I don't like the idea of people I love, you know, um, not being here. But by the same token, I like the fact that I'm the one able to do the funeral and I'm not the one being funeralized. Right. And so even though I'm sad that they're gone, I'm thankful that I'm here. (laughs) Right, and that still gives me. Like I say, I woke up this morning. It's positive, and yeah. so I'm. I'm just saying, I'm happy. I am alive, and so the reality. You know, I, I know there are people in this world that, um, when someone close to them dies, you know, um, their concept is, "I wish it was me." All right now. I can't say I've ever said that, that I wish it was me. Because I never have wished it was me. Right. You know. I wish they hadn't have died, but I don't wish it was me. You know, and that's just the reality of it. Uh and 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 so, you know, would I would I exchange with them, you know, um uh, if God gave me an opportunity? Depends on who the person was. You know, if 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 it was if it was my child and me or myself and my wife. You know, would I exchange? Of course, if someone said, hey, one of you got to go. I said, I'll raise my hand and say, well, I got to go. But I wouldn't be depressed about it. Right. You know, I just got to go. But if one of them went and I couldn't do anything about it, I would be extremely sad that they passed. But that don't mean that I wouldn't be thankful that, the God, that God gave me time with them. Right. That's
0: very understandable. People miss out on that part. They usually catch it much down the road after they've had some— some time to grieve. But mm-hmm. if you realize it instantly, then you start feeling that why there's, why the, the, the body's not in the earth yet. You can now, you know, go through those emotions and feel happy that you did spend that time together.
1: Well, you know, and I'll I tell you, um, I mean, and I say this to people a lot because it was, uh, it was told to me that I taught someone this. I don't remember teaching them this, but that's what they told me. They said, you taught me this pastor. Everybody got to die from something everybody got to die from something right? you will never see on a death certificate. Reason for death, good health. (laughs) Right. You will never see that. Right. So that means that since we know we have to die, we just don't know how we're going to die. So there has to be some method of, 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 you know, the cause of death. It may be a car accident. It may be a shooting. It may be, um that the plane crashed it may be that i had a heart attack you know stroke it could be any number of things but something's going to be up there other than good health you mm. can believe that right. something's going to be up there other than laughed he he laughed himself to death he had, he was too happy that he, right. he died because he had too much happiness that's not going to be there so what we what we do is we mourn the cause of the death as if the death was only going to happen if that cause was there, but I don't care what the cause is. we all are going to die. Mm-hmm. And, and so th- for me that's that's how I I, I I look at life, and that that changes my perspective when people die, because I'm not thinking to myself, well, they shouldn't have died this way because you could, you know you got to go some way. I'm just thinking to myself, you know, the Lord decided that this was their time. Well... Heard a lot of good
0: information Here today, Pastor um, Is there anything else You'd like to share Before we close out
1: Well, I, I would like to say To all of those Who may be listening And who are living Within commuting distance From um, Enoch Baptist Church That the Enoch Academy um, Has a you know, brand new facility That they're operating out of And if you have a child That is uh, pre-K, K And through the fifth grade And you're looking for An exciting school to put them in, uh, I can uh, tell you right now that Enoch Academy is the place to go. You'll find the greatest teachers. You'll find that uh, the technology there is unsurpassed. And I, I do believe that if you, if you come out and see it, you'll be thoroughly impressed. So I, I would uh, certainly like to suggest to all those who are looking for a place uh, for the children to grow, uh, consider Enoch Academy.
0: And what's the capacity?
1: How many students are you able to hold? Uh, we can hold up to 150 students, and and so uh, we're looking uh, to we're looking to eclipse um, um, what any parents' expectations are, uh, and that's our goal. In fact, uh, this year, and, I, and I've been talking with the educators, and I've told them what my goals are for them. Uh, my goal this year is that every child, when they complete the school year will be a minimum of 50% uh, higher than they would have been had they been in public school. So, for example, if a child completes the first grade, um, they should be at least uh, testing at a level as if they've been in the second grade um, for half the school year, right. and, and that's my goal for them. And and, and, and each year uh, I plan to increase that goal because I'm thinking, my thinking is simply this, a child will learn whatever you teach them. If you teach them at a mediocre level, they will learn at a mediocre level. Right. If you teach them at an accelerated level, that's the level they will learn at. And so what I'm doing in my challenge is to help the teachers to understand that um, we don't ever want to let the standard be our goal. Uh, We want to always exceed the standard as our goal.
0: All right. Thank you, Pastor. This is your CB Baker. Till next time.